decided. Okay, so well, there'll be some pictures and things about uh, what happened in Alabama, and uh, man, it, amazing things like. Uh, just the ordering of the Lord, the steps of God, uh, directing steps. They got to minister to a guy. Check this out. Of all the people in Alabama, all the people in Tuscaloosa, all the devastation, our team gets to work with a guy who used to live in Chillicothe, Ohio. What are the chances? Huh? Are you kidding me? Is that crazy? You just work at a plant. Is that crazy? I just, I think, that's amazing. You know, it's been a very good week on a lot of levels. been a very difficult week on a lot of levels. I want to say something to you. Probably been a long time since I've dreaded standing here. But today's the day I've felt I've struggled. I'll just be really honest. Okay? And I've struggled because We've had to contend with some things that are very difficult. Some of you know about them and some of you don't. And if you don't know, that means you don't need to know. Okay? What concerns me is our response when devastation comes. And I say that to say this. If our Christianity, and and I hope you take this from your pastor with all the love I have for you and all the love I have for the people whose lives have been rocked this week. If, If we cannot respond as Christ in the middle of a difficult situation, then our Christianity really doesn't mean anything. Okay? I've had to sit with some families over the last two days and encourage them the way to get through circumstances is to keep their heart pure, to keep their heart right before the Lord, that God will see them through so long as they love Him and and, and maintain their direction of calling according to His purposes. And it's frustrating to me because I don't even know how to say this. Uh, uh, We have to be really careful about things we say we have to be really careful about things we type. If our words are not going to be used as an instrument for healing, they should not be used. And I know That's hard for some of you to hear right now. Because when we're typing things and we're saying things, we are talking about somebody else in this body's family member. We're talking about a father. We're talking about a son. We are talking about a spouse. We are talking about somebody who means something to somebody else. And if I am trying to encourage them to keep their heart pure, and there's all sorts of other things being talked about that are only adding fuel to the fire of frustration and bitterness and ugliness, that is not being the body of Christ. Our commission as Christians is this, Hebrews 10, 25. Excuse me for a minute. 
Hebrews 10.25 tells us when we assemble together, and if we assemble together in this place, this applies. If we assemble in a, co- a connection group meeting, it applies. If we assemble in someplace else, at a, at a restaurant, it applies. If, it, if we assemble online somewhere, it applies. Our commission in assembling together is this, to provoke one another to love and good works. And when we use things, the power of life and of death are in the tongue or are in the keyboard. They're words irregardless. And I wish you could have been with one of these families on Friday with me and hear prayers that were prayed in the midst of devastation. Dude, it's um, holy smoke. Aaron, what are you, when betrayal comes your way, listen, it's ugly, it hurts, and it's devastating. As I recall, there was this guy named Jesus once, and he is about to be betrayed, and he knows it. You know what his response to the person who's going to betray him is? He washes his feet. This guy comes with his henchmen to abduct Jesus. One of Jesus' homies thinks he's going to defend Jesus and grabs a sword. And Jesus looks at the guy and says, put that thing away. Are you hearing me? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are spiritual. And what I was pleased to watch the other day in the midst of it is a person who hurts so desperately, but watch them bow down in the middle of their living room, throw their hands up towards Jesus, and worship God with their being, and pray, pray for those who have harmed them. It was unbelievable. And that is being Christ-like. That is being more than a churchgoer. That is being more than just a Sunday morning person, a Christian, that is being a person who follows the person of Christ with every part of their being. The easy route is to act out. But the Bible tells us God's given us the Spirit of God. And one of the things He gives to us is the thing called self-control. Are you hearing me? I sat with some pastors last night at a men's conference, and one pastor says, said, he said he was preaching some hard stuff, and one of the guys who was his best friend said, they'll either love you or they'll kill you. I hope you'll love me, because I love you, and that's one reason I even say anything like this. My world's been rocked this week. I will be perfectly honest. I mean, I, 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 I go, yeah. Because you know what I know about this place? It's more than just congregational people. We're not just doing church. We're doing life together. Are you hearing me? We're not just showing up on Sunday and just getting, we love Jesus and we love each other. And doggone it, it hurts when somebody messes up. And it hurts me. But the easy thing to do is just respond. And listen, we're calling sin, sin. I'm not winking at nothing. But Apostle Paul was very clear about some things. If within the body of Christ, if there are people who call themselves brothers, call themselves, read 1 Corinthians 5, and they refuse to get together, you know what the Scriptures say about that? You have nothing to do with them. 
but you still love them. And you have nothing to do with them. You know why? The Bible says, so that, listen to these words, their body of flesh might be destroyed, that their soul might be saved. That's God's big deal in all of it, is that the people who are lost will come to Christ. And, and Jesus gives an example of that. You know what happens? There's this story Jesus tells about the prodigal son. He takes off on a journey. The father never makes contact with this guy, ever. You don't read it any place. In fact, the, the, the son doesn't even know what the father's into when, the time, when he thinks it's time to turn around. But you know what, the, what we find? The minute that young man turns around, the father comes running. Let me ask you a question. If we're supposed to be the body of Christ, the family of God, exemplifying that kind of love that Jesus talked about, let me ask you something. Why would somebody want to come back to this home if they've been splattered everywhere about what a doofus they are? Huh? Why would they, why would they, want, to, why, why would they even want to think about coming back in that door? Huh? Just being honest. See, our Christianity does not matter if it only works for us when things are good. Matter of fact, it's not Christianity at all. Paul told, Paul told Timothy, he says, you endure a hardness as a good soldier. He said, press on. Leave the past behind and run forward for the mark of the prize of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. Amen, brother? I know we got visitors here. And I'm sorry you're here. I would have picked another day to talk about this, honestly. But I feel it needs to be addressed. Some of you are going to do, what is he talking about? Listen, just some families have been rocked this week. That's what you need to know. Well, who are they? It doesn't make any difference. You lift their name. You just lift God. Whatever families here are talking about, you lift up in prayer, and you ask God to do what he's got to do in them. Are you hearing me? Because the Bible still says love covers a multitude of sin. A multitude. And we all got it. Some of it's more out in the open, but we all got it. I got it. You got it. We all got it. There are things that we struggle with, and Jesus still loves. Oh, how he loves us. Those are not just words on a stinking screen. That is absolute truth. He doesn't just love us because we're here this morning. He loves those who have chosen not to be here this morning for whatever reason. still love me? Hmm? Because I love you. And my heart hurts. You know what makes my heart hurt? It makes my heart hurt when only are people out there uh, hurting. It hurts when people think they're helping people by doing things like that, and then other Christians start getting involved, and then there's this outlash going. Let me say two things. Our purpose, doing everything we do should be this, to be instrument of healing and to be, to, to be the example of who Christ Jesus really is. Okay? And if our words or our actions are not going to do those two things, we should not even think about walking down that path. Are you hearing me? I love you guys. Man, I absolutely love you guys. I thought, I thought about posting something myself, honestly. But I thought, no, you know what? There's just, I, I, and I don't know, I don't know all... And if you guys have, I haven't, I honestly haven't posted anything for about two days for that, for that very reason, on purpose. Because I, I just, I want us to be real Christians. I want us to walk out this plan of salvation, this life that Christ has given us, where he's made us alive for real. I'll tell you what I told somebody on the phone 
the other day. Well, what do we do now, Aaron? The answer to the question, if the shoe fits, wear it. The answer to the question is repent. And I hope I get a better response from you than I got from the person on the other end of the phone. Okay? Repent. That's the answer. That doesn't mean just say you're sorry. They said, well, I'm sorry. I said, I said, sorry, you've got to turn it around. Well, I'm not willing to do that. Okay. Today, you, me. Our, our, our thing is to repent. That's it. That's it. Let judgment start at the house of God. We want revival. We want all that. And we, gotta, we, gotta just, we just have to be there. Are you with me? It's funny to me that we're having a worship service here on Tuesday and God would instruct us to, to pray two, two, two distinct prayers. Prayers of surrender and prayers of unity over our church, over our families, over the body of Christ as a whole, over the team in Alabama. And if you were here, you know that's exactly where God led us, not knowing any of this was coming down the pike at that moment. So, that's my admonition to you. Let's be the body of Christ, not because we have to, but because we get to. Are you hearing me? Do you love me? I love you. And God is good all the time. This very morning, God is good. He is faithful and true. He will never leave us. He will not forsake us. He will give us all that we have need of. Let's pray. Jesus, you know all of these details that some people are just kind of, what in the world has happened? God, you know every bit of it. So Jesus, I ask you that today, you will supply, God, every bit of grace, every bit of Holy Spirit of anointing, every bit, God, of your love and your joy and your peace, God, into our lives. God, our endeavor, our desire, God, is to be the body of Christ. God, to live like you want us to live, to be literally your hands and your feet. And God, I pray, Father, in this moment, when it's just so difficult and so ugly and, Lord, just so messed up, I pray we'd absolutely be that. That, God, your power and your strength would be supplied. God, where homes are just irrevocably, almost irreparably messed up today, Jesus. I pray, Father God, you would supply to those family members everything that they have need of. That, God, you would put together the brokenness of their lives, their hearts, their emotions. That, God, you would be everything to them. And that, Lord Jesus, you would walk them through. God, we remind you, Lord, that, God, you promise us when we walk through the waters, it won't overflow us. And when we walk through the fire, it'll not kindle upon us, Jesus. God, you have good things for us. God, I pray, Jesus, your blessing and your life. God, I pray, Lord, your light and your life and your power would be there, Lord. in your great and awesome and powerful name that we pray. Amen. Wow. Kind of hard to talk about parenthood now.
parents, grandparents. Raising a child is not an easy business. Being a family is not easy business. Being a spouse is not easy business. Being a grandparent, well, maybe it is. I've watched how grandparents live. That is the life. Take them to Disneyland. Feed them chocolate. Let them have every, let them have everything that they want. Then send them home and let mom and dad deal with them. That's gonna be pretty. That's, what is that? Let me say something. Parenting is uh, very extensive and is very exhaustive. Parenting is an amazing thing, man. It's a very difficult thing. I can't, I can't, any, I can't define it. I can't describe it to the, everything the way it needs to be described and defined. But we have a good example from the Scripture about what to be and how to be it. The whole idea of being a, a parent is this. You are responsible for shaping lives. You're responsible for shaping young ones. Psalm 127, we've been looking at Psalm 127 a lot over the last year. It says, build a house. If you build it without God, you're building it in vain. It's useless. Your work is insignificant. And the whole idea of parenting is life-shaping. That's the whole idea of it. You're taking young ones and you're molding them. You're taking them. And parenting, we talked about this last couple weeks, parenting is not just about physical parenting. There's spiritual parenting, there's relational parenting, there's financial parenting where you're taking somebody who doesn't know very much and you walk alongside of them and you help them become what God wants them to become. It's, it's a life-shaping issue. It's much more than just physical, being you know, a DNA donor. It's much bigger than uh, just financial. Just making it, It's shaping a life. And so Proverbs 22.6 says these words, Direct your children the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. We're talking about building a house. I want to tell you something. There is a plan. God has a plan. We just talked about this baby dedication. The Bible tells us that God knew every one of us before each of us were born. He had an idea of what we would be, what we should do, how we should live, the character qualities, traits, gifts, talents, that we will fulfill a specific purpose. And our job as parents is to help our, our child discover what that plan and purpose is. Let me say this. It is not our job to determine it. It's our job to help them discover it and help mold them and shape them into it. This word directed training means to initiate or early instruct. It has two implications. It has the implication of godliness. It has the implication of helping them discern their shape and where they fit. There's two ideas there. There's the idea of godliness. The godliness part of this, the, the, the scripture, worship, all of that kind of stuff, all right? Godly principles are the way, are, are, these things are universal. There is right and there is wrong. Things are black and they are white. There are things you do and things you don't do. There are things that God expects and there are things that go beyond the scope of time and space and all that stuff. They are set in motion. These are the things we're to instruct them in on one level. We're to help them understand the scripture and worship. And this, worship is this. Worship is just not part of a song service that happens during a church 
gathering where people sing and hoot and holler and play instruments and clap hands and do things like that. Worship is the living out of the Scripture, submitting ourselves to God. The real word for worship means to fall down before the Lord, low in homage. What we do when we really worship is we take these Scripture things we're looking at and we bow low before the Lord and say, God, you know the way I don't. I will do what you say. That is true worship. And so our endeavor to teach them about worship is not just about church, it's about their life and applying Scripture to what they do day in and day out, which is some of the things we just talked about. The Scripture lived or acted out, that is worship. Davidson Fawcett Brown's commentary said this, that good impressions made upon them then when they're young will abide upon them all their days. Ordinarily, the vessel retains the savor with which it was first seasoned. So that's what we're about. You're also there to help them discern their shape. This is helping them find their customized way. The first part is universal. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That is, the, that is true for all of us. No man comes to the Father but through him. And we are responsible make sure our children know that. The other part is helping them find the customized direction path that God has ordained for them to walk in help them find the shape, to find the leaning of the things he already wants to do in their lives, to, some, to, to use their gifts and talents in a specific fashion. James Smith, in reference to Proverbs 22, 6, says this, whatever occupation he is later to follow, it is necessary to prepare him for it in his early years. Then habits are formed which will influence his conduct in manhood. We talk about all kinds of training, weight training, body shaping, what we're talking about with our children is that, helping them take a shape for the purpose of God. So how do we do that? There's, there's some things we can do. What is, what, 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 there is a plan, and part of our job is, and it is a play on words. I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm, Christian people, do not weird out on me. Aaron preached about planned parenthood at service Sunday. I in no way condone anything that they do, all right? Let's get that right. But I want to understand something. There is a plan that God already put in place. Your job in being a parent and exercising your parenthood is this, that you help them figure out that plan. And you, you walk away in that plan. You help them walk away in that plan. That is planned parenthood. We talked the first one about unplanned parenthood, when life happens when you're a parent. And lastly, we talked about imperfect parenthood. When, you, when, when, when life just comes apart and you do silly, stupid stuff as a parent, how God takes care of business when you mess up. I'm glad he takes care of business when I mess up. So there's, there's four things you can do, and these aren't all of them, but these are just some ideas to think about, okay? What does Planned Parenthood require? Number one, it requires time. Both quantity of and quality of. Are you hearing me? Deuteronomy 6 talks about this. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord God is one, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Now listen to this, this time thing. Again and again he says, talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tell, tie them to your hands and wear them on, the, on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. He said, listen, take advantage of every moment you have. It is both quality and quantity. I would say this. What we don't do is we don't make enough time, and when we do make time, we don't do the right stuff with it. Parents, your job is not to make sure your kid has every 
stinking commodity that everybody else wants that are on the commercials on TV. Your real, your real thing is to make sure your children know that they are loved, to know that there's a God in heaven, and to know that he has a plan and a purpose. And the only way he's go- they're going to know that he really cares about them is if you show that he, that he cares about them by the way you care about them. You are the hands and feet and the love of Jesus to your children. And if you, th- if you want them to believe he wants to spend all of eternity with them, you better make them think you want to spend all of eternity with them. Secondly, let them be kids. They are not adult people. They are going to mess up. You know what? Even adult people are going to mess up. <laughs> so I didn't even apply. We're all children of God. So I guess it really just the, the, protect their innocence. The scriptures tell us if a person offends a young child, you know what it says about them? It would be better for them not to have even born, one passage says. The other says it would be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck and cast into the sea. Protect their innocence. Keep them from harm at every cost. Protect them from media that's ugly. Protect them from people that are ugly. Protect them from family members who are ugly. Protect them from, I'm just saying, protect them. Discernment and discipline. You are to help discern what their plan and their purpose are. And you are to help dis- discipline them. This is something we don't talk about a lot. I know we've got all kinds of ideas about parenting, and there's all kinds of philosophical ideas about it, but I just choose to listen to this one. Because the Bible says everything else will pass away, God's word will stand. So if this says this is how you should do it, when this comes to discipline, you got to. And sometimes that means love and tough. And sometimes that means doing things you don't like to do. Now, I would say this. I'm not like a guy who, like, wants to wail on kids. Do not get me wrong. But I will tell you this. As a, as a former child, and my parents are sitting right over there behind over here. As a former child, I got my fair, my, my, as my oldest son would say, I got my fair share of butt spankings. And I turned out okay. I, well, my wife may have something to say about that. The scripture of Proverbs 31, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those are not my words. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. A youngster's heart is full of foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. Proverbs 23, 13, don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. I, liked, I, think that was a, I think that was sarcasm. I'm not sure. They won't die, I promise. But I think he was also saying, physical discipline may well save them from death. That's good, isn't it? Proverbs 29, 15, the discipline of a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Let me make one other statement to you. One of the most important things you can do with your children is give them a treasure trove of memories to look back on. Give them a treasure trove of life, of love, of respect, of good things. Give them a treasure, give them a treasure trove of of how to respond in bad times. 
Give them a treasure trove of memories that stick so that when they get out there in life, they have something to grab a hold of. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, spiritual discipling parents. Make some memories with the people God's entrusted with you. Don't, don't just be an instructor that stands in front and lectures. Be somebody who gets right in the life of the person that God's entrusted you to help care for and walk with. Make a memory with them. Let them have something to look back on and go, you know what? My time with you was stinking amazing. It wasn't always fun, and it wasn't always easy, but man, I love you, and I love life, and I love God because of you. Some of you are saying, well, how can I, some, some things about my life are messed up. There are things, I've, decisions I've made prior to this point, there are decisions other people have made. Listen, you can do nothing about yesterday. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. But you have today. And the Bible tells us this. Listen to me, people. This is good for every one of us, no matter what, if we're a parent or not a parent. If we're aloof, I don't know. The mercy of God is new every stinking morning. And so today is a new day. Today is a day where we forget the past and we press on into the future. We, we press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling that exists in Christ Jesus. Make memories, good ones. When they're old, they won't depart from it. Let me say this about every one of you. Not just Cameron, not just Lachlan, not just Cole. He's left. He was, he was trying to preach for me a minute ago. Dude, we, we connected, Jay. It was awesome. Did you see it? Huh? Huh? I think it got on him a little bit. While he was, you know what I mean? He's like, hey, let me up there. I like that. That'd be all right. Anyway, all of God has a plan for every one of us. Every one of us. Are you allowing him to form in you the things he wants so that you can be all that he wants you to be? So you can be the parent you need to be. So you can be the grandparent you need to be. So you can be the friend, the spouse, the, 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 the worker, the child to your own parents God wants you to be. Are you letting him form you? Because Right there on the screen, it says, God says this, I know the plans I have for you. Not just those three little guys that were sitting up here a minute ago. Every one of us in this room. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And the real dividing line is that next piece that says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Mom, dad, child, grandparent, aunt, uncle, church triumphant goer. I don't know if that maybe makes sense. He has a plan for you. 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 He's like, I know. I got that. Got that down. 
got a plan for all of us. The deciding line is that we're going to follow him wholeheartedly. We're going to trust him with all of our being. Life's not perfect. We're not perfect. Things will get thrown at us that catch us off guard. But that does not alter his plans. It does not alter his desire toward us. It does not alter what he has decided previously about us. Is that cool? Huh? How do I tap into that? Listen to me. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father. No man gets to heaven except through... Uh, that was scary. I just pointed to myself. I almost said me. Not me. There's a person named Christ. He says, no man gets to the Father except through me. And he says, if you come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I'll give you rest for your souls. The question is, are you going to let him? The only way you can, parents, I said this a minute ago, the only, the only way these young ones can be what God wants them to be is if they have good examples around them that are showing them what it looks like to follow him and be what he wants you to be. That's it. It won't happen by default. It happens with intention. It happens through its fruit, most fruitfulness in a life where it's fostered in a nurturing environment. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. I cannot be, I absolutely cannot be the husband I need to be. I absolutely cannot be the father I need to be except for the grace and the power of God. If you don't know Christ, leaders, why don't you come? If you don't know Jesus, if you're a parent and you're like, dude, this is overwhelming to me. I want a prayer. If you're somebody who, who doesn't know Christ, if you're somebody who's just going through something, and you just want somebody to grab their arms around you and pray for you, we want to offer that to you in this moment. If you don't know Christ, as simple as this, understand that he gave himself for you. Understand that he is at work and wanting you. Understand that the thing that makes the difference is him and not anything else. He says, if you'll come to me, I'll give you rest. And understand that eternal life given by him and not from any place else and you come to him with all of your heart all of your life all of your strength everything that you are maybe just maybe some of you are sitting here and you're just like uh, i probably haven't responded well this week to some of the stuff that's gone on and i just need to get that on the altar in front of jesus and i just need to straighten some things out this is the time to i'm gonna pray as i'm praying why don't you do me a favor? Everybody draw a stand. Just stand. Patrick's going to play a song. I'm going to pray. And if you just feel the, the need to come for prayer for whatever reason, the person of Christ is ready to and willing and wanting you. Father, we bless you. God, minister to every need, every household, every family here, God. If there's one person, God, who does not know you, I pray, God, they would make a, a step in your direction because you promise if we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. God, I pray, Father God, where the pressure of life and of home and of family have piled up, God, and, and you just don't know whether you can be a good parent, a good husband, a good wife. You don't know if you can be uh, a, a good anything. Lord, I pray, God, your grace and your power and your strength would go to those who feel such ways. God, those who are overwhelmed by life, maybe by disease, by, by frustration at, at work or at home or just trying to find direction, God, I pray they find it in you because you have plans for them. You have hope for them. You have desire for them. So God, pour out of your grace and your mercy and your power. 
Let your light shine in their hearts. We bless you and we love you. If you have need, won't you come while we sing? Go ahead, Patrick.